This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two Colonial Marines on their first planetside drop, Brian Murray. It's going to be a straight-up fight or just another bug hunt? <laughs> and Nick White. Get ready for some chop. Game over, man! No one said the line. All right. Uh, this week uh, on Ivory Comic Books, this is episode 298. We are very, very close to episode 300, so get excited. Today we're going to be talking about Aliens, the Aliens franchise, specifically a handful of comics that we'll talk about um, in a little bit. One thing I want to say before we get started today is I want to welcome a brand new patron that we have on our Patreon, David P. Thank you so much for supporting us. We really hope that you uh, enjoy all of the amazing content over there, like the IRCB Movie Club Saga of Saga, Giant Days of Our Lives, Paul and Mike read Doom Patrol book versus book. I mean, there's there's way too many things over there. So if you get a chance, go check it out um, and let us know what you think. But let's get into things. Let's talk about comic books. I have these two questions I need to ask, and they are, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Uh, things, things have been good. Things have been busy. It's been a real eventful weekend. Got to see my sister and my brother-in-law and... Um, I spent most of that time in front of a computer, but if you can't spend your time in front of a computer with your relatives, then do you really... Maybe I shouldn't have spent time in front of a computer know. with my relatives. Maybe that was... I don't know where you were going with that, man. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you have to know someone really well to just sit in front of a computer on in front of them, maybe. I see. I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, Let's just go to comics, because clearly... Uh, we got some things to work out in the clearly, break. I think clearly I've got some discussions that have to happen. Um, yeah, here are some things I read. I read uh, Fish Flies one dash one and one dash two, or I think this is he's organizing them as parts folded into chapters. This is Jeff Lemire's book that is exclusively right now on his Substack. Uh, this is the first title uh, that he's publishing this way. I know this because uh, Mike dragged me kicking and screaming into this new uncharted frontier of um, comics. Yeah. Uh, and he kindly slash maliciously signed me up for this. Mm -hmm. I think he knows that much as Stevie Nicks put it, uh, I'm afraid of changes. And so here we are. <laughs> um, Mike, Mike is the little puppet from Saw. Okay. We'll just put it at that. Um, yeah. But it's been interesting to get these emails probably about every, gosh, every, every other, other day. day? Yeah. It, it's it's every other day. Um, it's not every day. That's Jake Paul, bro. And no, Nick. <laughs> I'm stopping the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But you get this, you get a real peek behind the curtain. Everything from... Um, scheduling, which if you know much about Jeff Lemire, like he is a scheduling king. Like he can schedule flex on everybody. When I had heard the rumors that Lemire had written all of Bloodshot Reborn or close to it before the first issue hit store shelves, I couldn't believe it. But the more and the more and the more I hear and based on everything that I've read, it's true. It's 100% true. So you get to see some of that. You get to see process artwork. You get to see other projects he's working on. You get to see some of his early artwork from stuff that's actually never been published. He's also sort of doing like a autobiographical look at sort of his path to where he currently is as an artist. So there's a lot of stuff there. It's interesting. I definitely feel like people 
are getting their money's worth. I don't know if that's true for all Substacks. I don't know. So right now, it's just these little four-page installments as far as this Fish Flies series goes. Mm-hmm. And I actually really enjoy what I've seen so far. There's not a whole lot going on yet. It really, and at this point, we've only gotten eight pages of this book, so there's not a lot to go on. But it involves these kids in Canada. They're in a little town late on a summer night, and they're heading to the Mini Mart in search of ice cream. And instead, what they find is a Mini Mart parking lot full of dead insects. And they start to dare each other as to, you know, who's going to walk across these dead insects to go get the ice cream. Uh, and it starts to turn into something that feels like a, um, what is that movie where the kids find like the dead body? Is that Stand By Me? It, it is Stand By Me. Okay, yeah. It feels like it's got some real Stand By Me vibes. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've enjoyed this. Um, I also feel like this peek behind the curtain sort of, I'll get into that in a second when I briefly discuss the other book I read. Also, Jeff Lemire. It's not my fault, everyone. I know sure. it feels like it's, it's Jeff Lemire week every week I'm on. I If he wasn't so prolific, this wouldn't be a problem. I mean, last week was also Jeff Lemire week. So, like, it's just he puts out so many goddamn comic books. It's ridiculous. It's, it's <laughs> so ridiculous. And then sometimes, like, especially in this Substack, he's like, yeah, I don't know what was happening, guys. Like, I've, I feel like I've been in a real rut recently and I'm not getting anything out or whatever. I'm like, what the fuck? he's like i know i was a little behind on this i was beating myself up or something i was like what 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 so the other book this isn't my final form lemire it's ridiculous (laughs) like i feel like he has like charles soul circa like 2000 yeah 2012 2013 and like matt kent circa like 20 about the same era on his wall as like his two like mentors or something at this point and it's just Mm -hmm. as many books as he can do uh i do want to also mention because it kind of interconnects with with fish flies um that i read may's book number one also all jeff lemire except uh letters by steve wan so that would be the one exception between the two um and i think whether you love lemire's art style or hate it or maybe it took a while for it to grow on you, or maybe you just skip over the um, quote-unquote all Lemire titles, mm-hmm. I still think you should try this one out. Um, uh, the title follows a character named Will Warren. He's a 50-year-old building inspector who he come upon 10 years after he lost his daughter, Wendy. Uh, he's basically uh, buried himself in a soul-sucking autopilot mode of sorts. You know, the typical despondent showering clock in and clock out work and unwillingness to socialize with neighbors or coworkers dinner alone on a card table in front of a television. Wait, did, is this, this guys, I actually wrote this for a different document. This is for my <laughs> own. This is, this is, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you no, your therapy homework on. Yeah, yeah, whoops. <laughs> whoops. Uh, Will Warren, everyone now knows the name I check into hotels with. Um, <laughs> No. (laughs) And so you have this guy and he's clearly very depressed. He says, you know, I'm nothing, just routine, too scared to be anything else anymore. And yes, this feels a whole lot like Royal City. If you remember Royal City from Jeff Lemire a couple years ago, pretty heavy stuff, very like family drama, 
um, family drama slash trauma slash, you know, issues, unresolved issues for generations and decades back, et cetera, et cetera. But this work feels, I like this work more. It's not really in color. It's uh, pencils and inks with a gray, uh, I think he describes it as like a gray wash. I know this because he discussed this on the the Substack. And uh, I actually hate the Substack now because I wrote a whole bunch of my notes about, geez, this work seems more focused than Royal City. It seems like he probably did it this way because there really aren't any colors. So I'm sure it was faster to get out the door. It's less distracting. I made all these interesting and salient points. And then like four days later, wouldn't you know it, Jeff fucking Lemire writes in his Substack pretty much reaffirms everything I was coming to my own conclusions on. (laughs) And he pulls the fucking rug out from under Jeff. Who gets to be the expert on Jeff Lemire? If you've decided that you get to be the expert on (laughs) Jeff Lemire, it's really, it's pissing me off. I'm sorry that I burdened you with this Substack subscription. I really apologize for that. I felt so smart. And now everyone's going to be like, yeah, well you just read the Substack. I realize that's like a very niche thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, you're pretty safe. I don't think anyone is going to say that. We, we are this close to me like recreating the music video to Stan, except it's me and Jeff Lemire. <laughs> oh my god! And and Jeff, if you want to make that music video, let's do it. We'll we'll put some <laughs> quarantine protocols into place, and we'll just shoot our parts from different rooms. It'll be good. Are you are you uh, going to dye your hair blonde and? <laughs> Uh, start to dress like Jeff and all that stuff. Because I imagine like oh my God, you're taking the Devin be... Sawa character and you're just kind of rolling with it. I get the square ribbed, you know, glasses and I wear the flannel and uh-huh, oh my God. Uh-huh. I mean, you're like halfway there, Nick. This... Like, I know you. <laughs> this is fucking perfect. No, uh, honestly, it it if if this feels like if you, maybe Essex County wasn't for you and maybe... Like I said, Royal City was a little just unrelentingly just depressing and also very distracting from the color work. This feels focused. It feels like a sharper version of like Essex County visuals with the tighter plot that we've seen from his more recent work. And I think Mm -hmm. it's great from that perspective. Except for it's fucking six dollars for a single issue it is six dollars i know it's like 50 pages but like i'm just gonna trade weight this book yeah but i i think the difference between that and a lot of the other ones that i think gives this book a real push forward is there's actually just a real sense of mystery throughout this book will really doesn't say what happened to his daughter we're given some glimpses of you know Will's time with Wendy when she grows up. We find out that she was 11 when whatever happened happened. Uh, we know that Wendy's mother's name's Elena, and we're left to infer that something happened between Elena and Will. But we don't we don't really know what happened to Wendy. He never even clearly says that she's dead gotcha. um, or, or anything like that. So there's this sort of mystery element. He starts seeing these this imagery throughout his day-to-day life of strings, of thread, of, you know, sort of like cords. And and then we find out, uh, well, I won't get into don't spoil, that. I'm not going to get into that. this book. All I'm going to say <laughs> is we, we see this increasingly, you know, vivid imagery of, of twine and cords and thread. And that's all leading to a very weird, bizarro twist at the end of the issue. 
that I think gives it a real kick in the pants to move forward in the way that some of his other works like this feel very navel gazing. And you're like, well, who's going to push this onward? It just seems like everyone's depressed and doesn't know what to do. And I don't need to read a book for that. So yeah. Gotcha. Get well, this book. Uh, okay. I was going to say, should I read this or should I not based off of that? But okay. Yeah. I mean, I want to, like I said, but I probably trade weight this. Um, Brian, I mean, are you, are you jumping on this maze book book? Maze book, uh, book. <laughs> probably not. Okay. Doesn't doesn't really sound like my jam, you know. Fair enough. Much more of a uh, bang bang explosions kind of comic book reader. Gotcha. Uh, I guess with that, how have you been? How have comic books been? Given what I know is in the notes. Uh, I've been good. I haven't been reading a whole lot of comics lately, but I've been playing a lot of video games. Ooh. Anything okay. good? Okay. Brian might need to look at the name of the podcast, but I'll. <sighs> All right, of... Nick. All right. <laughs> uh, Nick might need to look at my butt. Uh, <laughs> Got him. No, uh, the the newest uh installment in the life is strange series came out which listeners will now have oh. a huge fan of this is life is strange true colors where you're actually playing as cindy young... lopper <laughs> <laughs> i mean you are playing as a musical young woman <laughs> she she arrives to live with her brother in a small colorado town but she has this weird empath power where she can pick up on people's emotions and kind of like read their surface thoughts through them it's a very fun game currently rivaling the first one for me in terms of like which game is my favorite in the series but yeah if you're if you're at all into that kind of like walking simulator talk to people figure out mysteries kind of game i highly recommend it yeah i saw a lot of chatter about that i think on the internet in general, just because I, I think, like you said, it's been, it's at that, that same level of, uh, of the first game. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Comics wise. I did find time to sit down and read black widow, the ties that bind. Uh, this is written by Kelly Thompson with a whole cast of artists, including Elena Casagrande and Rafael de la Torre, as well as Carlos Gomez and Federico Blee on issue four, I believe, or five, mm. uh, colors by Jordi Belair. And letters by VCs Corey Petit. I actually read this book for our uh, Goodreads book of the month. Um, so rather than spend a whole lot of time talking about it, I'll just direct you to Patreon where you can listen to that. Yeah, it should be out at the end of this month. Uh, you just got paywalled, folks. You just <laughs> got paywalled. <laughs> I, I, I will say briefly that it's. A, I think this book is a great opportunity for new readers who want to get into Black Widow in some way. Uh, because this book does not require a whole slew of advanced knowledge of Black Widow to understand and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, I went into it basically blind. But as long as you know who Black Widow is, who Winter Soldier is, and who Hawkeye is, all stuff you can get from the MCU, then I think you're going to be fine. There, there's something about this, like, because in, in the book, uh, I'll tell you, because it happens in the first issue, uh, Black Widow winds up brainwashed living a quiet life in California. And it reminded me a lot of that sort of trend that's going on in movies where we have like this deadly super spy living a quiet life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first thing that came to my mind was the equalizer, which is, is worth watching if only for the scene where Denzel Washington kills a bunch of mobsters in a home Depot. And <laughs> what I can only describe is like a fucked up home alone situation. No, <laughs> Okay. I mean, Home Alone was pretty fucked up, but sure. <laughs> it's 
it's a it's a lot of fun to a lesser degree it's kind of like john wick in that the spy is forced out of their quiet life at some point Mm -hmm. uh not as much so as the equalizer but it's there gotcha yeah, I mean that was a that was a fun book to read. Brian and I recorded that for the for the Goodreads book of the month. So make sure to go check that out. It's going to be out, like I said, at the end of the month on Patreon, since we do those every other month, which is pretty fun. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Oh, I uh, I've been reading a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, read a bunch of Aliens for today's episode. Uh, but beyond that, I have been uh, two books that I want to talk about real quick are Eternos, excuse me, Eternals, Thanos Rising, Thanos Rises. Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, this book's got a weird name, apparently. Uh, This is Kieran Gillen, Dustin Weaver on art. The story in this book, if you read Kieran Gillen's Eternals, I think there was a handful of issues that came out, like 10 issues or something. The story, I think, is still in the middle of ongoing. I can't even remember. Like, I can't keep track of what's happening in that book. All I know is that it comes out and I get to stare at Asadi Rubik's art every month and I'm happy. This book is kind of like a history of Thanos, is how Thanos came to be, at least the the beginning of this is. There's a lot of the mythology and lore of the Eternals, how they have had different eras of, of, of war and like people taking different roles in the Eternals overall structure. Um, and there's a lot of things that I feel like I still don't understand, even though the issue, this issue left me with a lot of questions answered. But yeah, I was I was surprisingly drawn into this book. I've never really been a big fan of the Eternals overall, but Kieran Gillen will probably get me to try a lot of different weird properties um, as long as he keeps writing them, if only because I can usually trust his hooks to at least get me on board and not feel like a total dimwit. Um, same with like, you know, Al Ewing and those guys just take an approach to some of these books. It's really interesting. But uh, I, I ultimately am not familiar with any of the mythos or lore behind the Eternals and uh, I would blame Neil Gaiman for that but uh, even then I didn't even read his (laughs) book so um, yeah so this is an interesting story kind of feels like a reminiscent of like Dustin Weaver is very much channeling like a classic 80s style of of comics it's very Kirby-esque in a lot of ways um, in the way that he just approaches some of the the various locations and scenery and stuff Um, really small panels that have like a lot of busyness in them but Dustin Weaver's art's pretty solid. I mean, I missed I I missed Asad Rebic's like same face style, if only for like the backgrounds <laughs> and painting like paintings that he does. But um, Weaver, to his credit, I think does a great job of making this feel like a quote unquote classic book um, that you would expect to find in like a dollar bin. Uh, the the story of this book kind of outlines a a portion of the era um, or like a history. A, a time in the past for the Eternals. And uh, the only call out that I'll say about this book that really annoyed me was the literal page of prose that was broken up into individual panels that like could have easily been a Bendis style, like just a single image with a ton of dialogue. But instead it's, it was literally just person A says this and person B says this and person C says this. (laughs) It was like, okay, so at least you understand that this is all dumb and and stupid, right? Like putting this page together, uh, was a was clearly a choice rather than having art to go along with it. You were just like, let's just use as much page space as we can to just fill up with, with words. Um, I honestly didn't know who was saying what because I don't know any of these characters. So like a little lost, but like fair enough. Like I'm, st- I'm sticking around. So um, I'm on board for whatever Kieran Gillen's going to do because this is all going to tie back to his Eternals run in general. So um, I'm here for it. I'm not, like, I'm not interested in these characters, but something about this book keeps drawing me in. So. I think he knows that if he did put it just into a big block of text, nobody was going to read it. Yeah. 
Well, I honestly, I need to find the screenshot for you. I'll find it in the break or whatever so you can see what I'm talking about. It's really bizarre. But anyways, uh, the, the other book I want to talk about really quick is Censor. Uh, this is by Junji Ito. Uh, my summary is, uh, you know, just a little existential dread for you, if you're if you're feeling that kind of thing. <laughs> just a little, mom. Can we can we have some existential dread as a treat? We have existential dread at home. Yeah, Nick. I'm just combining uh, all sorts of memes over here. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're right. Um. Yeah. This book is, as you may expect from Junji Ito, a little weird, a little odd. Uh. For some reason, the the overall vibe that I get from this is like some of those really strange A24 movies, like The Lighthouse or The Lobster, or maybe even that Nick Cage movie. This wasn't uh, an A24 movie, but Mandy, Mandy also came to mind. Yeah. Got it. So it thinks it's smarter than it actually is. Uh-oh, yeah, absolutely. Brian. Yeah, you know, and it's it's really funny that you say that though, because the the afterword of this book, Junji Ito was like, well, I had a direction that I wanted for this book, and I thought it was really cool, but the more I put it together, the more I realized it didn't work, so I simplified it, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, so, respect. You um, got to respect that. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting is that you know. Ito clearly had a direction from the first chapter of this book. So this is like a collection of six chapters and uh, he clearly had a direction that he wanted to go. And then it takes a wildly different like turn in the second uh, chapter, which again, with the, with the afterward, it's like, Oh, that all makes sense. But, uh, the, I think you get like the summary of this book is that there are people who live in this village, um, that they, there's these volcanic hairs. These hairs are coming out of the, a volcano I don't know if this is a real thing. I didn't Google it or anything, but like strands of soot, I think, get stuck together and they fall down to the to the ground out of a volcano after it's erupted or it's close to eruption. And they're called like volcanic hairs. So in this story, there are these golden volcanic hairs that fall in this this village. And instead of kind of disappearing into the ether after a time, just with like wind and all that stuff, they stick around in this town. And if one lands on your head, you get these extra sensory powers and so the, the title of the book, Sensor, comes from, that's what they call all of the senses then your body. I was like, why not call it senses? I don't know. This is a weird fucking book. But yeah, so these people get all these powers, and then this volcano erupts and kills everyone in this village except for <laughs> one woman. Okay. Right? Um, and she she comes into the town. She was an outsider. They brought her in because they said that God told her that she needed to be in this village. And uh, so she gets, she gets these superpowers um, because she gets saved by this cocoon of golden hairs that surrounds her and her hair goes from stark black to golden yellow and uh, she just starts to run away and then a reporter hears about her she ends up it's it's crazy this book goes all over the place and like the the twist and the horror element is that this woman is constantly on the run but we don't follow her instead we're following a reporter who's finding all the places where she's been and all the people she's interacted with including a cult that wants to use her to contact a dark god um, to basically bring about the end of existence by absorbing all knowledge that has ever existed and will ever exist. It's it's very out there. Uh, the ha- most haunting part of this story is what is on the back cover of the collected edition. The more I look at that image, the more scared I get of like the ISBNs. Yeah, ISBNs scare the <laughs> you have shit a real, out of me. You have a real phobia <laughs> for uh, barcodes. 
but yeah, like it's it, there's just a lot of weird things that happen that like it's like watching, a, like I said, a very strange artsy movie that has like a horror twist to it where it's not jump scaring you. It's not trying to hit you with a lot of trope. It's it's just really creepy. And the whole book spends all of its time being extremely creepy. And I, and I think that's what people like Junji Ito. Yeah. Uh, I've heard a lot of other folks who've read more of his work say this isn't his best, but I enjoyed this. I gave it like a three out of five. Um, I would say like it's worth the read if you can grab it at the library. I, didn't his work spiral also have which i think didn't we all weren't we all on that episode you and me were nick yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. didn't that one also have someone with like demon hair and the hair kept like spiraling around the person yeah mind? there was a there was a hair thing yeah yeah interesting <laughs> i mean I, I i do love that junji ito seems relatively put together as like an individual he seems very nice and very polite like so when like Rob Zombie is like, yeah, I'm going to make the hills have eyes, which I think was like him. I'm like, all right, these two projects seem to like this individual would make this thing. That makes sense. And then like Junji Ito is just this polite man. He seems absolutely affable in like every interview he does. Uh, mm-hmm, obviously, mm-hmm. he loves his cats. And then you're like, oh, and this is the book he wrote. And it's like slugs huh. coming out of someone's huh. eyes. Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. I like that. He's continued this theme of like. The, the moral of his stories always seems to be get the fuck out of this little town. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't Spirals also about um something falling down on the town? Wasn't it the crematorium? The ashes yeah. falling on the town? So there's... Interesting. Th- there's definitely some motifs about like small town life being equal parts boring slash quaint and yet also terrifying which feels like the the Midwest punk, like, we got to get out of this town thing. So maybe <laughs> Junji Ito is just listening to Hawthorne Heights a lot. Maybe. 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 Secret, secret pop punk kid, Junji Ito. <laughs> <laughs> That's, there's your episode title. Well, uh, let, with that, uh, let's, let's talk about comics that are coming out in the near future. Comics are dropping on September 22nd, 2021. Um, I'm curious to know what do you guys read next or what's your pick for this upcoming week? Uh, let's start with uh, you, Nick. Yeah, so I will make this relatively short. For me, it's going to be, and this feels on the nose with this week's episode, but it's okay. going to be Alien number seven. Okay. Um, <laughs> Surprise. Uh, we didn't plan this, folks. Uh, this is also going to be written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Salvador LaRocca, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Basically, it's the exact same uh, art team uh, from the first arc. Uh, The solicit is pretty interesting, though. It says, uh, the search for sanctuary begins. A small colony of spinners looking to lead a simpler life have nearly completed terraforming a moon. A ship crashes into their Eden from the heavens. A terror is unleashed. They didn't follow that up by writing that terror is an alien. I guess Mm, they really have to wonder, though, Hmm, what's what's it going to be in this alien book? Probably not going to be a xenomorph. They wouldn't do that twice. Look, I'm no, just saying, true. like, that's this true. book is not going to connect the dots for you, okay? You're going to have to figure that out on your own, <laughs> all right? It's going to, y- y- it's, it's, it's leaving the hard work to the reader. I don't know if, I don't know if some of us will be up for that, but, um, Nick, and I'll you know just I get, hate doing work. Yeah, I, <laughs> and we'll get into this more when we talk about the first arc, but basically, based on what I'm seeing, it does seem like this feels like it might be a clean break from the first arc, which oh sure could be interesting. We'll discuss that more after the break. 
the the one thing I will say um, in terms of like summaries for alien stuff, Kelly and I, after we watched uh, Aliens yesterday, uh, <laughs> we were looking at all the other alien movies and we were looking at like the summaries mm. and it, Amazon, at least, has the summaries for the alien movies as aliens. The summary is Ripley is rescued by a salvage team. Oh, my God. I saw that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alien. The summary is a mystery or excuse me, a mysterious life form attacks. Alien three. (laughs) Strange and deadly events occur. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's actually that sounds better than alien three. So that might actually be working in their favor. (laughs) I I love that. So, like, honestly, be as be as a as possible with your descriptions because we know what's going to happen <laughs> i gotta find out what the alien resurrection tagline looks like oh it just says God. don't it just says <laughs> <laughs> oh here i'll give it to you ripley continues battling aliens is literally the title <laughs> or the summary oh fucking man superb <laughs> it should it should just say brad Dourif wants to fuck an alien that's what <laughs> Dourif, anyway. Dourif? i don't know Brian, what about you? What are what are you reading next, or what what's on your pick list for this week? Uh, yeah, so it's actually a, a trade that came out in July. So I'm breaking okay. format a little bit here. Uh, it is uh, the trade is called Bubble. It's uh, written by Jordan Morris and Sarah Morgan with illustration by Tony Cliff. Uh, it's actually a comic based on a podcast, which I know huh. is going to make me fall a few ranks in Paul's eyes. But <laughs> it's uh it's it's set in this world where. It's like an alien planet. Humanity lives primarily in these bubbles, as the title suggests. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes monsters from the outside get in. And so this company creates an app called Hunter, where you can gig economy monster slayers. Okay. And so we're, we're following somebody whose gig job, like Uber, is to essentially hunt monsters for people. And it gets into sort of the weird stuff about like, like people who go to slay monsters and bring bottled water with them to give the clients and stuff like it's <laughs> it, it's it's very much like a, a commentary on that lifestyle huh uh, i mean this looks cool yeah it's a very fun podcast too it's it's a limited series so like it just it tells its story and then it's over which mm-hmm. i always appreciate i think it came out in like 2017 2018 something like that gotcha um, but yeah, it's it's really good, and it's being adapted by or published by First Second. So oh, I I have okay. I have a lot of faith that it's going to be a good adaptation because I don't think I've read something put out by that company I didn't enjoy. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at some of the preview art, and it it looks uh, looks pretty good. Yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out, or at least given like give the first episode of the podcast a listen. Mm. Danny in the in the chat right now is asking um, Brian, are you going to announce the I Read Comic Books podcast comic that's coming out very soon? Or I think that's episode three hundred. That's when our big announcement's going to be. Yeah, that we're releasing that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get on Fadi an artist for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me this week, I guess before I get into my picks, Danny, who's hanging out with us in the chat right now, remember you can always find the IRCB Discord in our show notes and you can listen to our episodes live on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. Danny's pick this week is Frontiersman number one from Image Comics. I have no idea what that is, but uh, with a name like that, it better be good, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm holding this comic to such a high standard, but uh, it's Green Arrow styled comic. So at least that's what the description says. For me this week, though, I am excited for the X-Men do a little one shot that's coming out. X-Men, the Onslaught Revelation. This is by Simon Spurrier on writing art by Bob Quinn. Colors by Javier Tartaglia. 
Hertaglia, uh, letters by Clayton Coles. This spins right out of Way of X, and I'm here for it. I'm I can't wait for it because I loved Way of X. Is, uh, Simon's is this sorry? the book that was being advertised in the Alien comics that we read for today? Maybe it might have been. I didn't. I didn't. I was reading this digitally, so I didn't see any ads. Oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of ads about like we can't trust our leaders. We can't trust our friends. Revelations oh, yeah. are coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was a big reveal in. Uh, in the way of X book that was like, what happens, what's what happens in that gap between, you know, with the X-Men books that are happening right now, you can die, you can be resurrected. Right. But you know, what if your last backup was two days ago or your last like mental backup was a week ago? What happens in that time? You get basically rewound by a week and you kind of have to catch up, but which is not crazy, but there is a question of like, does your personality change? Do, or do you become a different person during the resurrection process? Um, are you the same person if you have the same mind? And Simon Spurrier was exploring a lot of that, asking a lot of questions. And then there was kind of like a ham-fisted like action story pushed into the book. But the reveal at the in the middle of the book and near the end of uh, basically that onslaught is involved in all of this and some of these questions was really interesting. And I think this is the follow-up to that is that uh, there is a an unknown thing that Professor X and the, the, the Quiet Council of the X-Men have not been talking about, I think. And so we're going to see what's what's actually going on in this little one shot that's coming out. So I would say if you're going to jump on this one shot, make sure you've read Way of X before you pick this up. I'm sure they're going to have a summary for everyone who didn't do that. But go read Way of X because it's great. And uh, that team was really, really solid. If there's one thing I learned from from trying to read some of that like the uh, house of X stuff is that it mm-hmm. is the opposite of that black widow comic I talked about <laughs> where you need a fucking dossier. If you're going to get into that, because I, I started reading, I was like, I don't know who this is. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's what the data pages are for Brian, the full page of prose that you need to read. Otherwise you won't understand a lot of things. Come on. It's right like, there. I haven't read a prose book since college. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read okay. books. Well, just give me the audiobook version of all the yes. data pages, right? Which is just going to be going to be you reading it all out loud. <laughs> I'm going to make you call me on Discord before every issue. <laughs> That's fine. I could do that. It 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 is always really great to see how many people with English degrees are like, "Nah, I'm not reading books." No thanks. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> Yes. Time. that's that's me too brian it's like nah I, I i still do a lot of like audiobooks and stuff but mm-hmm. i'm not just gonna sit down and turn pages <laughs> <laughs> how dare you ask I've got, me I've got video games to play well with all that we're gonna take a quick break uh when we come back we're gonna be talking about aliens uh we're gonna be talking about the aliens dead orbit aliens aftermath all sorts of comics so we'll be back to jump right into that Oh, and I will say one last thing. We do have an interview. There's a Kickstarter chat with Leslie Julian and Brian Flint about Savage Wizard, which I believe is out as of today. So go check that out on Kickstarter. There's going to be a link to that in the show notes and listen to the interview in the middle of the episode. Uh, We'll be back after that. everyone listening at home i am joined by two comic book extraordinaires i've heard you guys say that on a previous podcast so i'm going to use it here 
Um, <laughs> I am joined by uh, Leslie Julian and Brian Flint, co- creators of the brand new, currently running as you're listening to this episode, Savage Wizard Kickstarter. Uh, very excited to, to check that out. I hope everybody at home goes to the savagewizard.com to check out the Kickstarter. Uh, from what I've seen, it looks absolutely amazing. But I'm here to talk with Leslie and Brian about this comic and how they got into comics and all that stuff. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, Leslie, who are you? What, what got you into comic books in the first place? Oh, God, that's a huge question, right? Um, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, I, I didn't actually read a ton of comics growing up just because uh, my parents, I guess, kind of thought they were pricey. So mm-hmm, I had mm-hmm. like one like random X Factor comic as a kid, but I actually didn't read uh, really read comics regularly until I want to say like college, really. And I uh, kind of just fell into it with Runaways and um, Civil War. Mm-hmm, and I've mm-hmm. always had a, a lifelong like obsession with Ninja Turtles. So I was reading um uh, I think Dreamwave Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. Um, so that uh, kind of is what got me into comics. I started uh, writing comics, basically. I've always written stuff and even drew for a little bit as a kid, but I definitely fell out of that. But basically, um, my wife, she suggested I do it, and I didn't know how at the time, so I just went online and figured, like, oh, like, this is something you can learn. I can learn how to write comics. So. Mm-hmm started adapting short stories into a comics and then uh it kind of slowly progressed from writing one page short stories to, you know like four or five page short stories and then like you know 16 uh, page comic and now uh, savage wizard is my uh, full-length de- debut you could see say after uh yeah seven eight years uh of writing comics pretty much awesome and, and brian what about you how who, who are you and uh you know how'd you get into comics um well uh i've been an illustrator for about 10 years um part-time full-time that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh i got into comics pretty far back when i was a, a kid but mostly just hanging out at the library reading like calvin and Hobbes and whatever was you know free because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. same boat where uh, buying them was way too expensive um but yeah uh that's pretty much it <laughs> Gotcha. And I guess what, what got you, uh, I guess, drawing comic books and stuff like that? Did you did you go to school for it or was it something that kind of developed over time um, outside of things? Uh, I went to an art high school, but they weren't super focused on they were more like a fine arts kind of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I had graduated from high school and was kind of artistically lost. Like I had all these skills and, and met all these people that were doing all this cool stuff and I didn't know where really where to go. And a friend of mine was like, well, you like telling stories and you can draw. So why don't you try making comics? And I actually had known of a couple of uh, classmates who got into professional, you know, comic work and stuff like that. And, you know, I figured I'd try. And here we are. I mean, here you guys have I've seen some fantastic preview pages for this book. And um, I mean, I think it's I think it's worked out from what I've seen so far. (laughs) I'll just say that. Appreciate it. Uh, and, and I guess speaking of speaking of the book, Savage Wizard, I guess uh, can, can you guys tell me a little bit about where this book came from? And like, I guess maybe maybe Leslie, you can start, you know, like where did this book come from and like what made you want to tell this kind of story? I mean, this is a, a really cool looking fantasy book. Yeah. So um, basically um, it, it came about um, in November. There's something called Pitch Vember where you're supposed to come up with a, a pitch every day, basically. So like a quick little like log line idea. So. Um, I was originally inspired by the fight enough by um, my co-writer Doug Wood. He had said that he was participating in it, and I was like, "Hey, that's a cool idea." So I was coming up with ideas, and, and one of them was kind of um, 
what if um, a barbarian had to become a wizard pretty much. And Doug, he had approached me. Uh, he had seen some of the shorts I'd been doing and thought they were cool. And so, hey, let's write something together. And uh, you know, I had never co-written, so I was a little nervous, mm -hmm. but I was like, sure. And uh, so we were kind of going back and forth, uh, kind of thinking of uh, what we could do together. And I, I threw that one out. How I'm like, uh, I gave him that idea, like, what if a barbarian uh, uh, had to become a wizard? And he's like, yeah, that's the one. Like, let's do that. And he was just super down for it. And like, honestly, like once we had idea, like things just kind of gelled so quickly and so fast. And Doug made it really easy to um, co-write because I don't think either of us had experienced before, but it felt really natural and fun and. We, we wrote it like uh, fairly quickly, if I remember correctly. Gotcha. And and how did you, you know, put together the team, I guess, for this book? If you, you know, you started with the pitch, you worked on the script and stuff. Like, how did you assemble this this huge group of folks that you've got working on the book? Or I guess handful of folks, I should say. Yeah. So um, uh, me, Doug and Brian, funny enough, were all, I guess you would say, alumni of the Comic Jam, which was pretty much like an online um, group, which a weekly would pair an artist and a, uh, and a writer together to come with what, up with a quick um, comic just based on a random prompt. And I remember seeing Brian's work there, but I never got the chance to collaborate with him just because it's literally kind of random uh, hat assortment, like, you know, picking uh, the, the artists and writer together. So I never got mm -hmm. the chance to work with them, but I was like, man, this guy's art is cool. And so like when we were basically had, had the script uh, finalized and we were thinking of people like um, Brian came to mind just cause I, I knew like he could draw uh something with like a lot of physicality and a lot of <laughs> guys running around and i uh, immediately thought of brian and then uh yeah luckily he was available to work with us and yeah it's been a great pairing because i mean when people see brian's art they their eyes open up you know they open up wide yeah that that was the thing that i mean you you sent over a couple of pages to me and i was just like holy smokes like this is this is some serious stuff i mean brian what's your approach to to leslie's script when you're when you see stuff on the page i mean i realize i've i've looked into the comic process i mean it's it's a script that becomes panels and so on and so forth but uh for this book what was your approach for for each of the pages well when i first got the script uh and i had read it a lot of it was really clear like the characters are right there mm -hmm. like I really didn't have to do a whole lot of work to like flesh out what they would look like and all that because when reading the characters you kind of have a picture of your head and you know what what they look like they, the, the writing was so good that you know that made that part of the process really easy and another thing that really made it um, a fun job to work on was that when they sent me reference material like we kind of want you guys to, you know we want you to go this way and, and we kind of think the guys should look this way and it was like all these um, Samoan and like African, you know, like people of color in there that that is what made the project like jump ahead than any other regular barbarian, you know, what's it called? Sword and, you know, stone, whatever it's called. Uh, sword and sorcery kind of stuff. Yeah. Sword and sorcery, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, like you see Conan and, and, and it's, you know, it's the usual like blonde haired dude who's like, you know, usually fighting really racist, you know, drawings of, you know, other people from around the world. And this was like just all people who, you know, looked like dudes I grew up around. And, and, and you know, it, it made a big difference in, in, in how I saw the book and really opened up a lot of stuff that I already really love to draw. 
yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems pretty clear to me from just a handful of things that I've seen that like this book is is a lot of fun and it's it looks like it's going to be probably one of the most action packed Kickstarter books I've I'm going to support at least uh, or I've supported in a long while because this uh just just the there's a page that I think you guys are using for the cover of the of the Kickstarter right now which is just a bunch of dudes running with swords and axes and all sorts of different weapons and it looks just absolutely insane um i i'm really curious to know i, I almost want to see would love to see like a page by page breakdown but uh i'm actually curious as far as folks that are um uh you know looking to support the kickstarter what kind of um rewards could they potentially you know get if they choose to support it so um one of the coolest rewards one of the biggest rewards i think that uh, people are definitely flock to because the um, brands are uh is um there is a reward to getting drawn into the book basically uh Oh, as uh, a barbarian so we kind of talked about yeah like what kind of gruesome kills that you could potentially uh get if uh brian draws you into the book but that's definitely uh one i think that people are definitely going to flock to for sure um we also um kind of like a, a video chat tier, tier basically and so uh any uh, people maybe newer to comics can talk to me and doug and get some help on either pitching or scripting or whatever they uh, might you know need some help with and also um we have some uh, mini print tiers there's going to be individual ones not collected as well but um we have two um artists i think uh people are gonna be excited to see um that are uh contributing uh, mini prints and also we're gonna have two interior pages um o'brien's that are also gonna be uh mini prints so there's a collected tier of that so if people are art hounds then i think they'll all be excited for that and we also have your, your standard um digital and uh you know getting the book physical as well and uh there's a digital bundle where you could um get my older book ghost gauntlet and uh doug's book uh which one is doug providing i believe ultramax um so yeah i think there's a lot of cool stuff for people um to to, to grab once uh, we go live yeah, absolutely. I mean, this that's the kind of stuff I, I love to hear, you know, with a, with a good Kickstarter. I mean, um, and, and as far as, you know, this series, this is the number one. Are you guys looking to make mm -hmm. like a longer series out of it or is this like a standalone a comic to start? So uh, we're kind of pitching it as just like a, a shorter mini series. We had like a four um, issues in mind and we're not trying to think too far past that. We have four issues. I think we could um, craft some things past that. But for right now, we just have this four issue arc uh, in mind at the moment. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, yeah, to completely shift gears, the one thing that I noticed as I was trying to dig a little bit of information, um, you know, about you guys um, for the kick mm -hmm. or for the for the interview today, um, you know, uh, Leslie, you seem to be like a pretty big proponent of Kickstarter comics, at least on Twitter. I saw a lot of retweets of different things like, stuff and like that, you know, and, and that's awesome because I am a huge supporter of that. Like, I think I, I, I've backed far too many Kickstarter comics in terms of just not being able to keep up with what I want to read. Um, but I, I love what Kickstarter does for the comics book, comic books community. So I curious to know like what do you think kickstarter is doing well or what makes you excited about like working with kickstarter or on kickstarter to to make this comic happen i mean kickstarter is great in that it, it kind of kind of eliminates some of the the gatekeeping that is you know unfortunately a, a part of comics just because i mean mm -hmm. it, it can't always be helped but just because you know there's so many creators now and uh i mean editors can only handle so much of the stuff that's getting thrown at them so i mean Basically, instead of waiting for a yes or no from, you know, a publisher, I can say, like, you know, hey, like, you know, we need this amount to, to make this book a reality. Let's let's go to Kickstarter. And I mean, from the pre-launch support that we're getting, I'm feeling more than 
every day more and more confident that you know this is going to happen um definitely we are you know the majority of funding is to get um brian paid for his you know amazing work like i think people are just going to flip when they see like how detailed um brian's work is like it's absolutely incredible like uh, just the amount of detail that he's he's cramming into these pages you know so yeah kickstarter is like just a huge I mean, a huge part of the comics industry right now. It's almost like another uh, publisher in some mm -hmm. respects. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm curious to know when you guys are going to start your sub stacks and then we can talk about that and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, you know, you said that, you know, the, the, the goal of this is to, to make sure everybody gets paid. I think that's one thing that seems to be like, especially there's a lot of comic book discourse about like people getting paid late and getting all this other stuff. It seems like Kickstarter is a de direct like I'm going to give you this thing and hopefully you're going to be able to give me the comic in return. Um and I, I've always supported that because I, it feels like the, the most direct way to get comics from people outside of going to like Gumroad or, or something like that, um, where, you know, there's people just have independent shops and stuff. So, I mean, it's really cool that this is happening. And if you're, you guys are seeing really good support, that's that's awesome. I'm glad that it's it's working for creators of, of all like sorts, you know, from whether you're a huge name and, you know, you're a Scott Snyder that needs to go on Kickstarter or you're, you know, trying to fund an indie comic. Um, it, it's good to hear that things are working for you guys. Um uh, and, you know, I guess uh, one of my the last questions I have for you guys here is, you know, what kind of comics are you into when you're not writing your own and working on your own? What kind of stuff are you trying to read? Right now I've been reading um, Ultra Mega, trying to catch up because there's nice. like four or five issues of it out. Mm -hmm. And that uh, James Heron, man, that dude makes me so mad at how good he is. <laughs> <laughs> I love his work. Yeah, yeah, that that book is beautiful. I think the some of the pages on that just absolutely stunned me with like the way that he uses so many dark colors, but yeah. make it the book yeah. is still so very vibrant at the same time. I absolutely love it. Yeah, he crushes scale, man. Like uh, I don't know how he does it. He just makes those dudes look huge. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, just the way the whole kaiju al al um, angle that he's he's going with, it's just an amazing book. I love that book. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Leslie, what about you? What's the first book that comes to mind? Uh, the first book that comes to mind, I'm behind on it, but uh, Gideon Falls. I really want to uh, keep going with, with that book. Uh, what Jeff Lemire is doing with that is, yeah, just crazy. And I love it. I, I need more, but <laughs> I'm behind on it. So I, I need to get caught back up. No, I, I'm the same way. That book creeps me the hell out, but I can't stop thinking about it, like wanting to read more of it. Yes. Definitely. So, yeah, it's it's incredible. I don't know where where his mind is going with that, but but I love it, and I I don't understand it, but it's amazing and terrifying and and brilliant. Definitely, definitely. I mean, Andrea Sorrentino on that book too. Like, oh, just yeah. every page is impressive beyond belief. Agreed. Uh, well, I guess to to wrap things up, the last thing I'll say is, where can people find you on the internet, and uh, where can they find this Kickstarter that we've been talking about? So you can. Find me, uh, Leslie, on uh, Twitter at Les Wright. That's L-E-S-W-R-I-T-E. You can find me on Instagram at L-E-S underscore W-R-I-T-E. And um, the Kickstarter is SavageWizard.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at Kuru Flint, K-U-R-U-F-L-I-N-T. And I'm on ArtStation under uh, my real name. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for, for coming to talk at, at Irie, Irie Comic Books. We're just a little tiny podcast, so I appreciate you guys reaching out. And uh, good luck with the Kickstarter. Fingers crossed it's going to get funded. Everything's going to be awesome. Um, and I wish the best for both of you.
show this week, we are talking all about a handful of Alien comics and a little bit about the Alien movie franchise. So if you haven't read Aliens Dead Orbit, Alien 2021 number one through six or Aliens Aftermath, which came out, I think, in 2021, make sure you hit pause, go read those, come back and listen to the conversation. Or if you don't care about spoilers, um, that you should be totally fine. We're going to go through all sorts of alien things. I just got so many questions about these dang xenomorphs uh, that Brian and Nick hopefully can answer. In the break, we we talked all about Android milk, and I think we're going to talk about Android milk more in the actual episode. So I guess to get into things, we read the books that I listed. Um, I think beyond Aliens Dead Orbit, this was like my first foray into Aliens comics beyond, I think, Nick, you recommended me a one-shot a long time ago that Mike Mignola had done. Um, but I really haven't read much. I, we did the Fire and Ice or Fire and Stone, Fire and Ice. What is this song of ice and fire? Uh, <laughs> it's oh, Fire and Stone, and then it's Life and Death, right? Life and Death. Thank you. So I read some of that stuff, but really, I feel like of of all of the stuff, like these are some really interesting aliens comics. So I guess of of the four or of the ones that we read, which ones do you guys want to talk about first? I think we should kick off with Dead Orbit, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is the, the impossible to get now because Dark Horse has been taken over or lost the license to Aliens comics. So um, rip if you ha- can't find that. But uh, yeah, they yeah. are. Uh, it's another casualty in Disney's ongoing bid to control everything we put our eyes on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this is the this is pretty a pretty legendary run in a lot of ways because it was James Stokoe doing everything. Um, and for those of you who don't know, James Stokoe is someone who's done books like Orkstain, um, and he's known for putting out comics that have unbelievably detailed pencils, uh, inks and colors. It's it's unbelievable. Look up his stuff. Uh, but to see him doing an Aliens book is incredibly impressive. I remember when this was announced, I think everybody was losing their minds because they knew that this book was going to be killer. And as Danny in the chat has said, Dead Orbit slaps. So, um, Brian, yeah, <laughs> tell me more about Dead Orbit. Definitely. Uh, this is this is like the the book that turned me into an Aliens fan. But like okay. before this, I had seen the movies and I thought they were pretty good. But this is what made me think like, oh, there's actually a lot of cool stuff you can do in the Alien universe. Uh, so this is the story about a man who we're just going to call Wazzy or Wassy because mm-hmm. his last name is Polish and I can't pronounce it. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to be honest. I, I tried to figure it out and I'm just not going to do it to disservice. His friends call him Wassy and I like to think we're friends. Uh, it's the <laughs> story what we experienced together. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a story of basically his, his time after an alien or a xenomorph infestation has destroyed his ship and killed most of his friends. Uh, and then we kind of cut back and sh- we see how they got on the ship. And the whole story is sort of told through these, these flashbacks with periodic returns to the present to see what Wassie is up to. Mm-hmm. And and I think and- because of that, it really benefits from a reread. Because I think that, at least for me, that sort of threw me off on my first read uh, through. Um, sort of the jumps back and forth because they do seem like very deliberately paced. And I think it can be oddly distracting. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that because I, I think my first read through, I wasn't aware that there were flashbacks happening. Yeah. Um, just oh, because yeah. The, the art style doesn't change too much between the present and the past. Um, but once you get that through your head, I mean, I, it's it's like, oh, shit. And by the end of this book, it all makes sense. But um, definitely worth a reread because it's 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 wonderful just to experience this book again. Like 
these pages are unfucking believable. Honestly, I I think I have the single issue somewhere in in uh, my storage of comics. But man, oh man, is this book like heavily detailed? Like, how how much time is this guy spending on every single page of this book? You know, if if you read his work on Godzilla, you know that like he already has a thing for giant smoke clouds and like <laughs> yeah yeah and this and like exhaust explosions. And I'm sure that's why he signed on because he's like, oh, Alien will have plenty of opportunities for smoke clouds definitely mm-hmm. oh man yeah and I, I think that that's what he really nailed with this book is that atmosphere that an alien story should have mm-hmm. like this is this is definitely the most like moody atmospheric book i think i've ever read yeah yeah and the, and the lighting is not like the coloring is more like sort of like smears of color it's sort of just mm-hmm just like a paintbrush effect than it is things carefully being, you know, distinctively colored in within the lines. And I think that that only sort of adds that, that mood to it. Yeah. It, it really feels like it's being lit by like emergency lighting or just the, the, the light from computer screens and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's like a, a weird, almost like Akira feel to it where like the 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 colors kind of bleed off of the the lines that they were indicated for um not in like an intense way but enough where i was like there's there's so much going on in this page and then there's color on top of that it's it's incredible also like akira in that everything has like pipes that look kind of like veins <laughs> right yeah right well and that's the other thing i was i was just gonna get at is that like the the way that he draws everything like even the the first quote-unquote encounter that we have with alien an alien is the guy mistakenly seeing pipes that look like an alien and then he goes oh it's not a big deal and then there's an actual fucking alien there <laughs> like two seconds later classic bait and switch <laughs> yeah i love it i mean if it felt like it felt so cinematic and the way that they did like the title pages in each of the issues where it's james stoko like it, it felt like it the, the way that you would see a movie poster presenting um, or like a trailer, you know, with this big black background and like this interesting font that has like the creator's name, like such a, such a smart way to do that, to, to add like a theatrical feel to the entire book. Yeah, it's um like the, the air purifier gag that it looks like a xenomorph head was just was just perfect like i stopped and i like looked at that panel again just because the way he designed that air purifier is just it's it's genius like it really Mm -hmm. plays on this idea of oh like oh my gosh like i'm seeing this everywhere but but is it really there um it's just uh it's it's a brilliant book um it, it hits a lot of god it's 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 always such a tricky tricky line to walk between giving fan service and then giving so much fan service that it's like are you going to do anything other than give fan service or not Mm -hmm. and and there are just ways to do that creatively and i think even 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 some of the stuff in here um like yeah the as as you said sort of the the chords and the technology uh sort of sinewy like veins and it, he sort of nails that blurring of of like sort of biology and technology that we saw so much in a lot of like HR Giger's designs and i think that that's um you know that's that's definitely part of it um and and of course we've got a lot of the body horror. We've got a lot of the rampant smoking in space, which is always an alien staple. Uh, <laughs> that always I didn't, cracks me up. 
I did not know that that was the thing. Like I like I said earlier, I watched Aliens the the sequel, right? And that's <laughs> I its didn't name. Yes. How, how often people were smoking in space, but it is constant. <laughs> it is a closed atmosphere, guys. You can't do that. <laughs> It's it's just there's always going to be smoking and uh finally finally we have the answer um that smoking will come back it's going to come back again mm-hmm. guys it's in a uh, big way big way in a big way um but yeah i mean i i think one of the other things i would really want to point out is i think tonally i think some people might be turned off by sort of the ending here but i think in terms of an alien story, it is it is dark, it is grim, but also it works for me. Um, I mean, but who's picking up an alien's book hoping for a happy ending? Well, yeah, and 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 I hear you, but also if you look at even Alien and Aliens, there is kind of like a final happy ending moment right there, it's not like well it's it's, it's ahead, not Brian. that it's happy it's that the endings usually aren't hopeless and the ending right. to this book was hopeless yes sure absolutely I, thank you brian the, you nailed it it's it's funny that you say that though because even looking at the the rest of the books that we read right my thought was that every other case at least my interpretation was every other case of encountering a xenomorph resulted in people dying and they all died there's no matter what ripley is the exception that's that is my take on it. Yeah, because even if you look at like Prometheus, or if you look at uh, uh, aliens, you know, Alien One, Alien Two, like th- the everyone dies who isn't Ripley, and there's something special about about that character, right? I think like she's the protagonist of the entire franchise, That's, um, which is I why mean, you don't see her in ever anything else, right? And this is this is me trying to scoot around and making a narrative out of the licensing. I don't want to get into the licensing stuff. Let's just not. I'm just saying my interpretation is that Ripley is that exception to the rule of when you encounter a xenomorph, there is there's nothing but death ahead for you. I mean, and I think that's even said to the extent where like these things are here. And, you know, we talk about it in the Alien 2021 series of like when people encounter these things, they they reached out to the stars and what's out there is only death. And how foolish of you to think that you could survive out there. Um, so I don't know. That's that's my overall take on it. Yeah. I mean, I I would say this just because you <laughs> you watched the movie yesterday, um, Mike. Who uh who 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 was still alive at the end of the film? Because uh, it it wasn't just Ripley. Well, okay, yes, Nick. I understand. Like, I'm not saying it's a blanket. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute yeah. anything. I'm just saying, like the all the other stories that we you, you can encounter, especially when it comes to the comics and stuff. Like, yeah. The, the, every single one of them is bleak no one's coming out of the thinking that there is some sort of hope like you encounter a xenomorph and that's it game over man game over yeah yeah yeah. yeah. was this all just working up so you could say that he, I mean, he was partially i was carefully. i was on a on a track there yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if you're yeah. interested in in a more like varied uh alien story uh i'd recommend checking out the book bug hunt it's actually a short story compilation uh, okay. But it's all set in the alien universe, and there's a whole bunch of different stories. There's stuff about like the colonial marines, and there's stuff about like settlers being attacked. There, there's one whole story that's just about like it, it is framed as a documentary on the construction of the pulse rifle that the huh. colonial marines use. That's cool. It's it's a it's a really good uh, 
compilation the the audiobook is also very well done hmm i mean i i guess what i would say is i feel like i feel like the ending of dead orbit works and i guess maybe having that come from dark horse uh and i also assume a lot of it was dark horse really giving stoko the freedom to do what he wanted um it works and it makes sense and we can get into this more and maybe this is sort of I mean, I could say a billion things about um, Dead Orbit forever and ever. Amen. I mean, honestly, it feels like that book came out at a point where Dark Horse was really giving people the freedom to do what they wanted. If you look at something like that or something like Aliens Dust to Dust by Gabriel Hardman. It's like, yeah. it's um, like yeah, they yeah, felt yeah. the mouse's shadow on the back oh, of their neck I and mean, they absolutely. knew they had to. <laughs> right? Like this book is coming out in 2017. Uh, it was only like uh, took a year later, I think, that the real licensing started to get pulled for that stuff. Yeah, well, Disney had started acquiring 20th Century, I believe, about two to three months before. So, like, the writing was on the wall, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so I, I think it was great. I think what's more maybe interesting is I feel like the ending of Alien 2021 was a gutsy move on Marvel's part, to be honest. And sure. and we can, you know, we can discuss that more. I don't know if anybody has anything else to say about um uh Dead Orbit. I mean, I could go into like Stoko found new ways to make people terrified. Like the muscle people coming out of like the pods. Like Ugh, that was gross. I could go into yeah. the moment that you have that first shot of that muscly head emerging from the fog or the burned. smoke it's severely burned is like the the way that i think it was supposed to be taken because it felt like they were just skinned like yeah. flayed people right it, it, but it, it's like that they were burned severely to the point where it was just exposing their muscles it's ugh, right gross. yeah it, it looked like the like poster in your ninth grade biology classroom you know of just the whole <laughs> muscle system right like that's literally yeah. that's what it fucking looked like and but like with patches of skin and like I was like, you know, tip of the hat to you because like you found a new way to make all of this shit absolutely fucking terrifying. And I had totally forgot that one of them survives and then is like mm-hmm. going crazy. Like what a scary, creepy character. Like, do we ever see what happens to her? No. Oh, no. She runs off and she takes the shuttle. She runs off and takes the shuttle and they try to stop her. But the umbilical to the shuttle is left. And so it like tears off the shuttle. And then I guess there's some slingshots herself back into the the station. Yeah. Right. Which I thought was kind of a great mystery because I was thinking, was this an uncontrollable action and it was an accident and she was trying to get away? Or was this like an intentional self-sacrificing act to like try to wipe everything off the map? Interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but that's, that's a very plausible theory. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, anyway, it's, it's, it's a genius work of art and that's, Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. I mean, rereading that, like, I read that at a breakneck speed, not like trying to get through it, but I was just like drawn in. And again, like, I, I remember reading the issues month to month and just being like, God damn it, how is there not more immediately, you know? And I'm so glad to be able to sit down and just like read it all in one go because it's it hits like all of the beats that you would want in an alien story of people living in these derelict, like, pieces of technology way out in the sticks of this of explored space, you know? 
kind of like a really interesting commentary about like something you see along the same lines in like Firefly or you see in in I can't think of another sci-fi ish story but like um or that encompasses this but where this idea of like we have explored the 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 greater you know distance universe and or galaxy and you know as per usual people lower on the totem pole that aren't directly connected to corporations are dealing with these like barely held together duct tape barely functioning like stations and ships and you know i thought that like the the idea of like oh this is like a hodgepodge of 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 stuff and they're like even the space station that they were on was like falling apart um did i you, found that to be really interesting did you enjoy the theseus joke i think i missed it the, they, they referred to the ship about as, the ship of theseus yeah yeah ah because they've been swapping out all the parts on this piece of junk so much that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so but yeah i mean i i i just like that that idea of you know that's almost like a it's a dystopian look at like space travel but to me it's like yeah, people are going to do what they can to survive, you know, when they're in like stuck out in these faraway places. Yeah, it, it it goes in the face of like Star Trek, where space travel is a like governmental thing and a scientific mm-hmm. thing. Everybody's whereas, got uniforms. Everything's clean and, and nice. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas these people are they're they're effectively like oil well workers. Yeah. Where they have that that very like roughneck look and feel to them. They're just people trying to get a paycheck smoking cigarettes all day yeah wearing hilariously out of uh out of fashion clothing in some cases yeah yeah which i also love i love a man in a hawaiian shirt in outer space that something about that just (laughs) tickles me to the core yeah yeah but yeah i guess i mean we don't necessarily have to focus just on this book because we you know we did read others um nick i know you were you were kind of transitioning to the 2021 series yeah and i can if you want i can just give the backdrop on that yes please 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 sure in july of 2020 marvel announced that disney had pulled the publishing license for alien predator and alien versus predator from dark horse comics uh later that year and early of december um, Marvel announced their first project would be simply titled Alien with Philip Kennedy Johnson handling the writing duties and Salvador La Roca on art. It scheduled the first issue for March 2021. Uh, the first issue would indeed launch in March 2021 with subsequent monthly releases until the arc wrapped in August. Um, just a little extra information. Uh, they did also announce a Predator book uh, with Ed Brisson <clears throat> writing with Kev Walker on art. That book has been pushed back for anyone who was kind of wondering about that. And there's rumors that it has to do with the original creators of Predator trying to reclaim the franchise. So that's another thing going on. But yeah, that was kind of the context of how we ended up getting the first Alien book under Marvel. And I know some people want to kind of compare this to the whole Star Wars franchise going back and forth and back and forth. But that's a little different because Star Wars did actually originally start with Marvel and Alien was never in Marvel's hands until this point. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah. Well, Brian, what was your take on this book? I didn't like how they set the tone from the like one of the first things we see is an alien with titties. <laughs> oh, the sexy oh. alien. Yeah. yeah, that was that was weird. Yeah, Nick, I would just like you to read your notes for the opening, like your first note for this book, actually. Sorry, I just realized what you wrote. <laughs> oh, God. Um, let me see. Uh, I wrote, I have no words for the sexy alien. 
no words. Uh, quote, anyway, Doc, I'm afraid of most of them, but that one, that one I'm super horny for. <laughs> I don't understand it's, why it's, that It's a metaphor for man's attraction to death and uncertainty. <laughs> I mean, I'll sure. say this, like, if, 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 if Johnson and LaRocca were trying to constantly tap into the idea that the alien beings and their aesthetics and their um, look is supposed to simultaneously evoke revulsion and lust at the same time. This feels a little on the nose, but it feels like you like you get a C plus like you, you went a little on the nose, but like they gave it, it is, a bra of chitin, Nick. It would have been great <laughs> if the bishop was like, uh damn this this is the worst fucking shit i've ever heard like can we get an issue that's I, just about a, a congregation of bishops who are just like i talked to this guy yeah um it's like Bishop he just walks out the room and he's like you know what i just need to get my memory wiped he's like i just gotta go do this right now like yeah uh Little do we know, there's actually a series of bishops that are meeting with this guy, um, and they're just constantly wiping your, their memories and replacing <laughs> it with the previous guy's memories. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, uh, but beyond that, I, I did I did enjoy the series. Yeah, yeah, I I was I was in the same boat. Like I thought it was it was a really interesting, like pretty fast paced book overall. Like I was very surprised at how much was done in the short amount of time that this arc took. And uh, it, it, I, it, the thing that I've noticed about all these alien books, including the the one shot that we read, is like the story goes at breakneck speed because they just got to kill everyone in the story. <laughs> and like honestly, honestly, the bigger the cast, the faster paced like the this the story seems to go. And I, I I can't even fault them. Like that is the point. You encounter these xenomorphs and you're gonna die. And so we're gonna get like some very terrifying ways that that which that's always gonna happen. Uh, and that could be. Just, just me reading a bunch of alien stories all in one go but man oh man this book just gets right to the chase um i liked it i thought that was great yeah i i i really enjoyed the art in this book but a lot of people have criticized uh the faces and i can definitely see why there's a a real uncanny valley thing to it yeah i mean i thought laroca's take on the bishop android was actually surprisingly good i didn't realize that that was an actor until i sat down to watch aliens i was like oh that's actually actually wasn't too bad all things considered i've seen his harrison ford it's awful um i've seen his luke skywalker it's awful oh god uh, the harrison Hamill. ford like, oof, 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 oof. Uh, all things considered i thought his interpretation of that actor who played bishop um was pretty good yeah the, the lance hendrickson wasn't bad and i think that was sort of what was a little bit baffling for me is it's like likenesses should be tougher than drawing original characters because <laughs> readers have nothing to compare to with uh -huh. with original characters but for me like the bishop looked fine and i was like this is not normal behavior for salvador la roca and then he draws this original character and i'm like i don't know who this is supposed to be but it's wrong <laughs> <laughs> and then i read a little bit more and i'm like oh he's the protagonist too i have to look uh -huh. at this a lot um okay it's it's so weird because i felt like the the little the marines that he drew um with their like shit-eating grins and stuff were yeah. not as bad as the main character so weird it's that like those side characters were just like okay the marine that, that looked guy. like dog the bounty hunter could have been the main character of this book <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> there, there is like a distance away from the quote-unquote camera that you really want his characters to be 
Yeah. 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 Because I feel like a lot of the group shots looked fine. But as soon as it was like Mm -hmm. a close up on one guy's face, it's kind of like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Like the close up emoting shots are just, you know what? Give me like another, like, let's, let's observe social distancing and let's just bring this back to six feet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and Uh, it's not that it's bad exactly. It's just, it's, I, I truly think that it's so squarely in the uncanny valley. That like mm-hmm. your face is like that's definitely a person and also definitely not a person. Yeah, the mm-hmm. android looks more like a person than the people in this book. Um, <laughs> strangely <laughs> enough, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, the, the story in this is is pretty interesting. If only because I think this is for me like the first time I've seen any of the corporate side of Wayland Yutani beyond like the touches that we get in the movies. Um, and I think like maybe you see a little bit more in like I like just having aliens fresh in my mind. Um, you see a little bit at the beginning of Aliens, but I felt like the 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 cyber espionage side of things. Um, and hearing about like these revolutionaries and stuff that was all new to me and i i thought that was a really interesting addition to the rest of the aliens universe where it's typically just like we got to go to planet planet has bad alien people all die maybe someone gets a message out the end um right whereas like we're actually getting a little bit of like oh there's these there's these power struggles and people intentionally making choices that are like fuck you pay for the company Mm -hmm. or work for the company and stuff um and we do see that in in aliens but um the, that extra bit with the revolutionaries and and like them taking over a ship and all that stuff was was pretty interesting to me. Yeah, Whalen Yutani definitely feels more three dimensional in this work, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I think that is appreciated. I, I do feel like the story it's sort of trying to reconcile things between a father and son. Maybe we've seen a lot of this in other uh, works, but it sort of felt like you know this is something maybe that. Um, Obviously, Aliens hasn't really explored, so I appreciated that. I I did think the shotgun blast to the guard's face uh, near the end of issue (laughs) one, I believe, um, was a little too much. But if I recall correctly, and I'm totally sorry if I'm wrong, I remember people were concerned when this book was in development. They were like, is this alien book going to be PG-13 or R? And somebody was was like, don't worry, guys, it's going to be R. And then somebody, I don't remember which agency or somebody, released that image. And I was like, okay, like, we get it. Like, all right, right. like, got it. Everyone, we're all adults. Okay. I see someone suffering from HBO season one syndrome. Message received. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Nick, there was no, like, actual sex on screen within the first 15 minutes. Right, so. but we got, like, um, point blank shotgun to the face and sexy alien in issue one i was like all right we're getting we're getting it all out of our system understood maybe um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but honestly i think this could have been done in four issues not six that's just me like i felt like there were two or three issues there where it's just um people blowing up and dying and and maybe there was and there's going to be some of that but maybe there was too much of that uh Mm. i also need to go look at my alien canon timelines he said <laughs> geekly wait, wait, wait. Yeah. is this something that you made or something that you own Nick's well gotta you know the red string. when 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 yeah. someone doesn't provide you with what you need you make it yourself so that's what we're okay. at um but like the two marines seemed maybe they saw it as a moment for exposition where he's like these are what aliens are and these are what they do and this is how they work and they will kill you it seemed very odd that these two other guys were completely unaware of like any of that. And I was like, mm-hmm. I think at this point they should probably at least have heard rumors. 
but they were yeah. like completely like all right old man you know uh they were really uh, rude to him there was a lot of ageism in that scene and i did not appreciate <laughs> it <laughs> yeah we can I excuse like, heads getting blown up but we draw the line at ageism yeah right right <laughs> Well, that's that seems to be like the core problem in every alien story that I've ever read okay. um, or seen is that no one th- no one believes that these things are real. Right. Or or like in the case of aliens, the the movie, like they talk about bug hunts, but right. I don't know what that means. You know, like, are they talking about xenomorphs? Are they talking about other aliens that they've run? It's into? exactly every- what you said, Mike. It's that is that's exactly what it is. Like they're referring to other issues with other other organisms on other planets so that part does kind of work it is like they've they've seen and killed other weird crazy things and that's how bug hunt comes about but i see yeah so okay yeah okay it is i i get what you're saying though it is sort of weird and i think this book is supposed to be post alien 3 where people should know like rumors about aliens but Mm -hmm. they're like Mm -hmm. What is this man on? What is this old right. man on? I so, mean, Wayland right. Utani does a whole lot of like covering up and information warfare and stuff, though. So it would not surprise yeah. me if like any word that had gotten out about these things had been like quote unquote disproven by Wayland Utani oh, yeah. or something. Like yeah. the propaganda yeah. machine would make people think it was all fake. Yeah. And I know this part's going to be fascinating for the listeners for sure. But like, yes, that is sort of. Like, the one guy who survives Alien 3 apparently writes this expose about it, and then Waylon yutani goes, like, this man is crazy, please don't read his book, and, like, that's it. This is all canon from the new RPG. This is all sort of... Hey, I mean, we haven't even touched on that yet. I don't know if we'll have time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the last, you know, bits of this that I, I thought were interesting is, you know, like the the fact that there was a secret android like i always forget that that's just a thing yeah. sometimes <laughs> there there will always be one and there's like this, always yeah. a secret android or someone doesn't realize someone's an android or something like that um or an alien or an alien you know cuts an android in half and milk goes everywhere um you know one of those things are going to happen in these stories yeah and that's a ridley scott thing because if you look at that other recent show he did on hbo house of wolves or something with wolves running with wolves something about wolves danny will know sure, what i'm talking I have no about idea. um it's got a lot of the same weird milk motif it's a it's a ridley scott thing okay okay raised by wolves thank you danny there you go that's the show yeah but i mean overall like i if i, if I were to continue you know if i wanted to get into aliens i honestly would probably keep reading this um i think it probably reads for me better as an arc mm-hmm. rather than an issue by issue but seriously the, the issues of this book were so easy to follow like there was nothing confusing. Everything connected really, really well. I have to credit Philip Kennedy Johnson for honestly putting together a like pretty straightforward, easy to pick up aliens book. If you know the basics of like xenomorphs are bad, they're going to kill you. Um, this is a great book to go with. And I because I like my knowledge of aliens is so limited. Um, this this book really worked for me. Um, I don't know if it's like my top tier favorite book ever, but um, definitely if I wanted to get back into the the, the what Marvel's going to be doing with this franchise, um, I don't think this is a bad place to start by at by any means. Yeah, it it does feel very approachable, and I think my biggest strength about this book is that the way it ends, it really could go anywhere. There are definitely some loose threads. Some of them involving Waylon Yutani, some of them involving um, Gabriel Cruz's son, 
mm-hmm. some of them involving uh, the alpha um, embryo. There are some loose threads, but based on what we've heard for issue seven, it certainly feels like it's going somewhere completely different. And maybe that's a misdirect, but it definitely feels like it's going to go somewhere different. And mm-hmm. maybe this story from arc one goes on the back burner and it reemerges in an arc or two, or maybe we never see it again. And it just is what it is. And yeah. I'm kind of okay with that because I feel like modern storytelling of the last 10 years is everything has to have an answer. Everything has to be resolved. Everything needs to be played out to the nth degree. And so if there are some loose threads, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And if this only- becomes an anthology series, I'm okay with that. Me and the three other people. <laughs> <laughs> sure. The only thing that that bothered me about the ending is that it finishes on like a close up of a cat's face, and we see the cat has like face hugger marks mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here like, hang on, because a face hugger is bigger than a cat. So, and <laughs> yeah. then the ovipositor is like the size of a cat's head. So, how am I supposed to like? How 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 did a over uh, a face hugger implant an embryo inside a cat? Uh, life finds a way, Brian. And I realize that quote's <laughs> not from this film, but I feel like it still applies. So yeah, maybe can, we just need Jeff Goldblum in Alien. Mm-hmm. I can tolerate a lot of like weird shit in my sci-fi, but I demand internal consistency. True. I, I would that. love it if sexy alien is another loose thread that never gets. <laughs> That would be that would be amazing for me. Philip Kennedy Johnson, are you ever going to resolve that? No. Well, no, like, I just wanted to see what LaRocca would draw. Because when they when they zoomed in on the cat's eyes, its eyes were like the sexy alien's eyes. Oh no. So does the sexy alien come out of that cat? Oh no. <laughs> No, no, oh, no, no. I don't no, like no. the idea of of you're you're combining too many things of like sexy alien furries and like like cat cat girls, girls are in right now. And like I guess Jesus. Go read some stuff about HR Giger and you will get an idea for why all of this is very weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I guess uh, real quick then we should let's talk about the last book that we read which is Aliens Aftermath. This is a one shot <laughs> almost ba- after watching aliens guys Mm -hmm. i'm i'm fully caught up now um this almost feels like a direct sequel to that movie um right in in some ways Mm -hmm. more so than alien 3 and i haven't seen that aliens to the third power before nick corrects me (laughs) (laughs) what a 90s way to do what god what a 90s alien to the third power it'll be rad okay well this this story follows you know a handful of of i don't want to say freedom fighters but like uh, streamers who are trying to take down and shove it to the man that is Waylon Yutani. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they head to the infamous LV-426 in order to basically investigate what actually happened. Um, and it's uh, it's quite a lot. Quite a lot happens as uh, they find out nuclear winter um, has taken over this little planet. And uh, they they investigate only to find, well, you guessed it, an alien. Um so yeah, that's that's like the high level sum up. But uh, I I ultimately found this to be really interesting. I thought this was a cool, quick one and done story um, in the best way that you would expect out of uh, uh, out of a one shot. Like it's it gets to the point, it follows everything, and ultimately the end is as depressing as you would expect. I love that they they really showcased like the variability of the xenomorph form. 
because mm-hmm. like that's one of my favorite things about the franchise is that depending on what the embryo goes into you can get all kinds of weird monsters right like the uh the the alpha xenomorph from the 2021 series was like part goat monster question mark like it was a something had inhabited a goat and then that thing had laid eggs and that got into a person so we got this weird like bipedal xenomorph with horrifying ram's horns like yeah <laughs> or in aftermath the case of aftermath we got this weird like like ice blue xenomorph who had like liquid nitrogen blood instead of acid blood mm-hmm. and i just thought of it i mean my first thought was oh yeah it's like the alolan form uh it's a pokemon regional variant got it <laughs> yes i mean technically it's not not wrong yeah. right it's it, the same kind of idea it is a regional form it is I, but yeah i mean like there, like i said there's nothing like too like crazy about this i mean our main character is the nephew of uh private vasquez i think mm-hmm. uh who was in the a- aliens movie um we do get to see the adios gun that she used in the movie and uh yeah you know they're basically there to figure out what happened because th- this guy in this story wants to figure out what happened what really happened to his aunt and yeah they run into a xenomorph that is made of nitrogen or something it's, it glows in the dark and it, it still can sneak up on you uh, i thought that was a pretty cool thing i think nick a while ago you had sent me a screenshot of this and you were just like this is this is what they're doing now in the aliens book so i'm curious to know what you <laughs> what you thought of this little one shot here i mean i don't think the book resolves this but i don't understand how that thing happened well the nuclear bomb went off you know the nuclear powered plant went off or exploded so i guess the idea is that this thing survived and grew up under those conditions that it had maybe? somehow mutated and, and altered was altered by this radiation to this this mm-hmm. state um i mean it, it it's dumb in a way that i'm okay with like yeah it's like it's got a cool aesthetic it is like quote unquote a ghost it has liquid nitrogen for blood that results in some pretty graphic visuals that i would say i normally wouldn't see in a marvel book except you know see um you know exhibit a shotgun blast at two feet uh Mm -hmm. so clearly clearly we're still rolling this out um i really liked this issue sort of in its intended form which is that it is meant to be a celebration of the aliens film having its 35th franchise you do get some quotes that sort of uh they do mention the whole you know get ready for some chop line thankfully they don't ben percy doesn't go so far on the nose to give us a game over man or like (laughs) a uh i use this i use this for close encounters um we don't get any of the big ones so i i appreciate that um one of the things i really liked uh, was that we do get that alien feel of the shoulder cams, right? Or the shoulder cams, helmet cams. I think they were technically mm-hmm. shoulder cams. Um, we get a bunch of the shots where it's got the the shoulder cam view from one one of the people's, you know, suit looking at one of the other people. And it's got the little digital readout in the corner of who the person is, you know, last mm-hmm. name, first name. Uh, and I felt that nailing that aesthetic from the film was was really great especially you know having just seen it again last night those were some of the most 
terrifying moments for me are like those just VHS slash sub VHS quality, like blurry, choppy, you know, camera footage scenes mm-hmm. where I was like, oh my God, this is actually like uh, pretty terrifying. Yeah. I, I love the future past. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. The franchise started in 1979, yep. I think. So, like, everything that goes ha- happens now has to use technology that looks like what they used in 79. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I definitely loved that. I also sort of loved how this uh, attempt to frame the narrative as sort of a renegade or sort of pirate radio-esque um, programming, <laughs> yeah. right? Resulted in these scenes where they're like filming him and he's like, yeah, I just want to find out about my niece. And then it cuts away to like that one-on-one confessional shot that you see in like Survivor or like any mid-aughts MTV programming where they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I said I was going to go on a date with her, but it she was totally wrong or whatever. Yes. And you have like this, this issue kind of has something akin to those moments and I love it. Uh, yeah. And then you have the TV producer who like all the way to his death is like constantly trying to like frame the narrative. He's like, well, we gotta, we gotta frame this. Like he's trying to find his niece, uh, his, his aunt and find out what happened. And everyone else is like, dude, everyone is dying and you're still thinking about this. Uh, yeah, it's just trying to. Eventually, he's hoping he's going to get out of there, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I overall, like I said, is I thought it was a solid one shot. I think it does its job, um, of like touching back on the roots without actually mentioning any of the characters that they may or may not have the ability to talk about. Um, and it was good. I thought it was. I thought it was a pretty entertaining one shot. If if you wanted to get your toes wet, uh, when it comes to aliens, I think this works pretty well. Yeah, and it frames and, cart. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, I was just gonna say that it, it doesn't like reference anything from the other aliens books so you can just pick up this one issue yeah 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 that's true and and it frames carter carter burke as like even worse than than we knew him to be in uh in uh aliens so paul paul riser's role for those who mm-hmm. forgot so yeah there is another podcast i listen to called cosmic crit where they actually use the term the burke as like oh. a, a term like Oh, this person is clearly is being such a Burke right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. He's oh, such a good that. character. He's oh my He's, god. Oh, such a great shithead. I love <laughs> yeah. him in that. Uh well, uh, yeah, I guess uh I don't know. Do you guys have any any final thoughts on the Aliens franchise? Anything else you you wish we could have talked about or we we missed? I was like, at some point I'd love to do another uh episode just on all the alien crossovers that have happened. Yeah. Like I wanna do the yeah. Batman alien shit like <laughs> yeah all the yeah. wild crap that uh, alien versus vampirella is a thing that i have like, <laughs> and there's not one but two alien judge dreads there's not even one yes. there's actually two there's actually two um, uh, judge dread versus alien versus predator being one of those yes. yeah Please. yeah i that could be fun that could be a lot of fun nick what about you um i i i i'd like to say in some ways i think we've mostly covered everything i i would encourage people who are maybe interested in some of this or or want to learn more um obviously there is a an alien uh role-playing game i think it's quite simply titled alien uh the role-playing game uh surprisingly mm-hmm. uh and that came out about two years ago 
And in addition to being a pretty fun experience, um, I'm maybe a little biased. I'm the GM. Uh, Mike is in this game, so he can disagree with that. Uh, it's uh, even if maybe you're not a big role playing game person, there's so much lore and there's so much uh, canon um, that recently a lot of the materials had to be delayed because Disney had to overlook everything now that they're in charge. But uh, if you're interested in the universe and you want to learn more about the universe, that might actually be the best place to go to, to learn more about Wayland yutani and all these other governments and all their different uh, history with planets and things like that. So if any of this interests mm-hmm. you and you want to learn more, uh, the core rulebook of Alien the RPG uh, might be the best place to do that. And you can pick up a digital copy at like drive-thru RPG um, or, or buy the physical book if you're interested. Free Legan did not sponsor this episode for the record. Right. Um, but yeah, we, we have been playing that on, on the discord. It's been pretty fun with me and a handful of other people. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really fun to know, like we're all going to probably die, uh, but at the same time we're trying to get through everything. So as problems come up, it just, it amps up just like an aliens movie. Um, so I can, that's from my perspective as a player, it's, it's been pretty cool. The, the, the party has already killed the Burke of the game. So, um, <laughs> oh yes, we, we did go straight to, to getting rid of that business. Um, anyways, oh well, I guess, uh, thanks you guys for, for having this and, and Nick and Brian, you know, we all came up, you guys came up with some, some comics to read for the episode. So, um, this is a lot of fun. And now I feel like now I'm, I'm a little, my feet are a little bit in the pool for the aliens franchise. And I'm worried about what that's going to like do any me. horror movie. Now we're going to grab your ankles and haul you under the water. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Um, well, I guess to wrap up here next week, our show is going to be all about a a comic that Kara, Renee, and I decided as a group to sit down and read, and that's going to be the Disney manga that just came out, Stitch and the Samurai, where you guessed it, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch goes back in time or something to meet samurai or becomes a samurai i don't know what's going to happen but we're reading that for next week so make sure you check that out before next week's episode um otherwise you can follow us all on twitter you can follow nick at death star plans you can follow brian at brian head you can follow me at mike rappin and you can follow the show at ircb podcast on twitter and instagram this episode first aired on patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons you can join today for exclusive series like ircb movie club saga of saga and more And you can go join now at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. If you haven't already, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find them. I mean, if this wasn't five-star content, I don't know what is, Uh, but it really helps us get the word out about the show. Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record. Uh, it would help us a lot if you tell your friends or even your local comic shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all the music for us. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a very cool guy who makes us sound very cool every week. He's the editor, and he's fantastic. I want to say thank you to Brian and Nick for joining me on this episode. Thank you to everyone out there who listens. Thanks to Danny for hanging out with us in the chat during the live recording. And until next time, comics are good, and so are you. <laughs> <laughs>